You're listening to Season 2 of fit to be Radio, a production of fit to be Studio, which specializes in home workouts and e-courses online for those dealing with diastasis recti. Our goal this season is to connect the dots between fitness and other psychosocial dimensions of wellness. So hey, strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris Benke. I'll be your host today. I'm here with Beth Learn, who, if you're watching on the video, has just disappeared. I don't know where she is. <laughs> oh, there she is. Uh, she's the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio. We also have with us Lisa Ryan. She was a competitive CrossFit person. She's also a level two CrossFit trainer. She's also a personal trainer and a coach and a, let me get this right, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism a coach, which is yeah. a mouthful and basically <laughs> means that she really knows what she's talking about in a lot of different yeah. ways. So we're excited to have you on the podcast today, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. For sure. Um, Lisa, where where are you in the world? Where are you coming to us from today? Uh, I am in Michigan, just outside of Ann Arbor. <clears throat> oh, man. We're up here. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, actually, long, yesterday, so, it was not that cold, but today's cold again. <laughs> so define not that cold for us. Yeah. So yesterday was 52 and sunny. Oh, huge wow. Huge for winter. That does yeah. sound not that cold. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Beth, Beth, how warm <laughs> was it for you yesterday? Oh, it got up to about the same, actually. But it was weirdly wow. like 70 degrees on Sunday, but then we had snow on the ground yesterday morning. And then this morning, it's Whoa. really frosty. It's just been really weird weather for winter, even in the Pacific Northwest. When, lots of rain. When, when Michigan and the Pacific Northwest have similar weather, something is afoot. It's just, <laughs> just uh, very odd. <laughs> yes. So have you, been, have you been in Michigan your whole life? You said you grew up there, but did you ever leave? I did. Uh, okay. I went to University of Michigan, so I went to Ann Arbor 20 minutes away for college. Uh, so I was okay. always really close here. But then I lived in California for five years because of my husband's job. I went out there, um, mm-hmm. and that's when I started getting competitive with CrossFit and everything. I had some amazing experiences out there. I taught high school out there. I also taught high school in Michigan here before I left. I used to be a high school English teacher. Um, and so when I lived in L.A., I actually taught at a private school, and I taught a lot of like famous uh, actors and actresses' kids and famous actresses' Yeah, things. So wow. it was a cool experience. Yeah. So yeah. you've you've got some dirt on some famous people then, probably. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, but pretty much all that dirt is <laughs> out anyway. You know, so <laughs> it's all public. Uh, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, and you love Michigan because you're back there, right? Yeah, my family's here. I mean, do I love the weather? No, but, you know, obviously I made a lot of friends in California, so I miss those friends now. But, you know, the friends here, I'm glad to be back with them. And um, it's an easier place to have kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Simpler. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so you've got a, a bio that is just full of amazing things. And you've got uh you've got all this experience with cross training, CrossFit and all this stuff. Um, but we wanted to dig in today into something specific. Um, and that has to do with surgeries and recoveries and diastases and all that stuff. 
Um, yeah. So maybe maybe we could start by you telling us a little bit of your story and, and how you you came to uh, be an expert in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to try and break this brief because I could talk for hours. Uh, but okay. So yeah, I was a competitive crossfitter um, at a regional level when I was living in California. And when I decided to have a baby, um, I did so pretty quickly, literally like the weekend after their last regionals that I was competing, I didn't take my birth control pill. And then that next month I got pregnant. So it was a great blessing. <laughs> um, and was happy to take some time off. I was burnt out from teaching all day, competing all night. It was an amazing experience, right. but it was time for a change um, sure. after about four, year, four years of that. And, um, and it was great. Well, I, the recovery from that, like I didn't really, I didn't really have much awareness of, much of anything uh, during that pregnancy and, you know, that my rectus muscles were even moving or what was feeling or what was going on. I don't know. So I had a C-section. It was planned. Um, it was pretty, it was non-traumatic. Um, well, it was traumatic in the okay. fact that it was hard, but it wasn't like an emergency situation or right. anything like that. Um, and then my OB told me to just wait eight weeks before I went back to the gym. She knew I was a crossfitter. She knew my background. And wow. uh, I went back to her at my checkup at six weeks. And she's like, just wait two more weeks. She's like, but you know what? It's going to be really hard to hurt anything. I mean, you're healed. You know, I, I mean, she was talking oh, to wow. stuff, but like wow. she, those were the words she told me, my, my OB in Beverly Hills in California. Okay. Wow. You're clear. So, you're good to go. <clears throat> yeah. And so wow. I did not, jump in like a crazy lady and start doing things I was doing at regionals. Like I was at a PVC pipe and tried to do a full push up. I, I did one, which made me feel better for some reason. I thought I wouldn't be able to fill and all these things. So I eased back into stuff. Like I didn't go crazy. Right. Um, but I'd also gained, I gained about 55, 60 pounds with my first. So with that, I had a lot of weight on me. So I didn't know what was what, you know, I had a lot mm-hmm. of weight, stomach was sticking out my boobs were huge I'm nursing I mean you know it's just all (laughs) crazy so um so anyway we moved back to Michigan when my son's like four and a half months old and I get lose the weight and the stomach's still there and that's basically when it all like I start trying to figure out what is going on why is my stomach Mm -hmm. sticking out this isn't fat it was like hard and like I had extra skin but it was like hanging off the bump and it just it didn't you know like I just couldn't figure it out so then that led me down the journey of trying to figure out what that was. I didn't even know what diastasis was. And then basically, you know, I found out what diastasis was, freaked out, got some help, didn't get really the full picture, anything like that. And then like I backed off for a while, found a PT. Um, and basically at that point, my rectus muscles were on the side of my body and they were really hard and there because I had been using them mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is it is a, right. it's a miracle I didn't get a hernia um because my tissue was thin and whatever but so I did find a PT I would pay money so I'm telling everyone before you have I would first of all pay money to feel my stomach before I had kids because first of all my stomach before I had kids was never completely flat so I always wonder if I just had a little you know not a not a concern right. yeah. but just one that was there before right. I would have loved to feel and have any idea of what that felt like. Um, and then the PT I saw after my first, we didn't, I never really te- checked the depth, right? 
So mm-hmm. we only knew where my rectus was, but I, I just would they only went off there. Yes. I don't even know how deep it was the first pregnancy the second pregnancy I did, but oh. like, I would have loved to compare the difference. Right? right. So she did some body work on me. I backed off things for a couple months after getting a lot of other scary things. Like people telling me I couldn't have another kid. This is the worst wow. they've ever seen. You know, I mean, just like, wow. I, I mean, really I got all things. kinds of weird stuff, right? <laughs> like traumatic. So finally found this PT. And so she helped me. Then I went back to crossfitting and it was better, but like, I just went back to crossfitting, felt pretty good. Still didn't really know what was going on. There were still some movements I kind of were careful about, but for the most part, I did a lot of stuff and I felt really, really good before my second pregnancy. I was PRing things. I think I just wanted to feel like myself. It felt good. Um, and training a lot less. <clears throat> then my second pregnancy is when I found Brie and Brie and I, Brianna Battles, I texted mm-hmm. a complete stranger at one point and she, we were both trying to figure out our stuff. And we're like, well, my, this PT yeah. said this. Blah, 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 blah. And so then the rest is history because then she started her program and got more and more and more information and built her stuff and then brought me along like, no, look at this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so then my second pregnancy, I treated completely differently. Although I'm right. pretty sure things still got worse because I had a large baby again and I could pressure manage all I wanted, but I mean, stuff's going to happen. Right. So, right. um, so that's kind of the story through my diastasis and my two pregnancies and, um, wow. all that. Mm-hmm. So wow. your first pregnancy, <clears throat> you weren't that informed about diastases and all that. And right, then right. your second pregnancy you were, but like you said, right. you can pressure manage all, all that you want, but if you come into that pregnancy, with really thin tissue and a deep right. diastasis and a, and a pretty big separation already. Right. There's only so much management you can do. Right. So how old is your second um, child right now? So he is three. He turned three in October. Okay. Yeah. And how long has it been since you have surgery? So I had surgery April 15th. So we're at like so, nine, 10 months. <clears throat> okay. Out. All right. Yeah. So let's All catch right. up to the surgery. We haven't heard the surgery part of it story yet yeah so mm-hmm. then after so second. I always kind of suspected like well <clears throat> with my second I realized eh, I'm probably gonna be into surgery at some point um but you know I I, I it, at this time I had found um a different uh, pelvic floor physical therapist that really understood the big picture the whole body like changed my life and my rehab with the second my second son um, mm-hmm. it was just amazing. So she, you know, she had confirmed there was also suspected hernia, like an umbilical hernia, just because the tissue was so thin, it seemed like there was one there. I had a general surgeon tell me that there wasn't one there. The plastics thought I had one. Um, Nancy really actually couldn't feel an actual hole, but like, I never got a CT scan or anything like that. It was nothing that, was that I yeah. didn't needed. I said, if I have one, fine. Um, but, <clears throat> um, and then I flew out. So it, at, let's see, at a year postpartum, um, I flew out to, to California to visit my friends and I saw Julie Weeb. And so okay, she yeah. had kind of, she kind of gave another confirmation of like, yeah, surgery, you'd probably be a good surgical candidate. Um, and then, you know, came back, worked with Nancy some more. And then at about 18 months postpartum, because I had found my safe spot here. Like I was modifying CrossFit. I was doing all the things because I, this has been a traumatic thing for me. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to keep modifying and keep progressing and keep not mm-hmm. letting myself cone 
and all right. that until I you get kind surgery. of figured out a groove to write in that yeah, worked for right. you, but it wasn't. Yeah, and you right. you talked a lot about that, and I remember I think that's about the time I found you through Bree. Um, and okay. you were, I thought it was so great how you were modeling a lot of just body positivity, body acceptance, body love yeah. while modifying, yeah. but also hosting a conversation about surgery might be where you were headed. And you right. did that in such an open, honest, refreshing way. And, um, yeah, I want to keep talking more about that. So here you are in your journey and you're realizing I'm doing what I can, but I still may be a candidate for surgery. And why yeah. did you decide that? What made you, what did Julie say, um, Julie Weed, that the, the PT you saw? Yeah. And, yeah. and what really, like, clinched it for you that this is what you needed? Well, before I even saw her, I kind of knew it. Because I was like, I am doing everything I can do. And, <clears throat> like, at that point, I realized how deep it was and everything. I'm like, yeah, this is probably... You know, so by then um, you had the real, you had a really good picture of what was actually going yes. on for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind. Yes and no. Yes and no. So <laughs> I went to see her at a year. Mostly. She confirmed, gave me some other things to work on, which was a great, it was such a fun session. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then went back and did that, kept working with Nancy, my PT, and progressing where I could get to a point where I could almost do a strict pull up without my belly coning. Because I was really working hard on getting rid of that, right? But then at 18 months, mm -hmm. um, knowing that I was going to get surgery and when my son was about two and a half, that was all, kind of what I had planned after I had seen Julie and like just everything. So I wanted yeah. to wait to heal more. I wanted to wait and play around with things. Um, I wanted to wait till my son was old enough to understand I had a surgery. I just had lots of reasons to wait. Um, and I came back in about 18 months. Brianna was like, Lisa, you need to just stop modifying and like you're 18 months postpartum, but I was like afraid at this point, right? I went the other direction because I was just like, Ugh. and so she pushed me to do a consult with Anthony Lowe. Uh, and uh -huh. so I met him at the gym. Nancy came with me along with my friend Katie, who's another uh, pregnancy postpartum coach. And now she's also a pelvic floor physical therapist herself. Okay. Um, at the so time, she was, she was a PT. In other words, this was a <laughs> gathering of major body nerds. Series <laughs> yes. on Lisa's yes. <laughs> it was amazing. Right. So we got to the gym and basically Anthony had me do a bunch of stuff I haven't done in a really long time and showed me that I was okay to do it. And I cried and it was, oh God. I mean, it was just like, um, and he explained to me though, because we sat down, he explained to me what was happening with my coning or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you actually have great control of your rectus. The stuff that's popping up, first of all, you're, you're, when you come up, you have to meet, you're, you have to come up a little bit to even meet the, your hips and your ribs coming up. He's like, and then on top of that, um, the stuff coming up is like skin and tissue and it's not your organ, like organs aren't popping out of your body, right? He's right. like, that tissue is not <clears throat> going to change, most likely, because it was so right. what it was. So the rectus, so once he like showed me that and I realized that and he got me doing a bunch of things I didn't think I could do, then mm -hmm. I set off and I went and back and I started doing, he's, I was going to his Philly course in like six weeks. He wanted my muscle up back by then. Um, I got on the GHD and there's like this picture of Nancy like behind me like this. Oh my God, it's like so emotional. <laughs> um, I did all this stuff. And so then from that point, 
to surgery, I was test case every day, videoing, documenting, seeing wow, like, ooh, what's, so this cool. gonna, this, what's this going to be? And this is great because I'm glad I didn't rush into this. So I just posted on my stories yesterday. I'm going to post it in an actual post. The difference between March belly testing that Nancy did and October. And from June, when I saw Anthony, to October is when I started loading it in all the ways that I was used to loading it and stopped thinking about my rib cage and my breathing and everything I've been right. doing, which I was important to do. Like that was a great, and that helped a lot of other things, but it was just time to go. So I did all that stuff and it is amazing the difference. Now it's wow. still in that one point sinks down really deep because at rest, my stomach did not change the way it looked at rest a little bit because the rectus tightened up a little bit, mm -hmm. but like overall it was protruding the same amount. Right. But in an active position, it was like I was a different person. Wow. wow. And we're doing all this background because it's important for people to understand that um, there's a lot of fear um, behind exercise when you have diastases and mm -hmm. also getting surgery. And so we're talking to somebody here, those of you who are listening, who has truly run the gamut. She has truly done all the things. She has both modified and thrown modifications to the wind. She has um, seen several PTs. Um, she has seen the best of the best in the field. And, and now she's at a point where she's like, okay, now I'm just gathering information. I'm gathering information. I'm going to have surgery anyway. So why not just go for it? And mm -hmm. it's just such a valuable stuff. And we're, we're going to link her Instagram in the show notes and link her site. So you guys can go and kind of backtrack and see her journey for yourself because it's really beautiful um, and also inspiring and clarifying. And that's what I want to go into next is right. Um, clarifying right. the difference between getting surgery because it's needed um, and wanted and getting surgery yeah. <clears throat> for other reasons and also yeah. understanding what, what happens after. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people it don't really the big picture. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. It's really mucky because here's the thing. A lot of, like, I also got surgery because I didn't want to look like that the rest of my life. And, like, that's okay. I think some people want to look for the reason to get it because they don't want to say they're getting it because they want to look different. And this gets really overwhelmingly tricky because we're in this, that we're in the <clears throat> body positivity, right? Like we're in right. the embrace your postpartum body, like be proud of this, learn to love it. But then the flip side of that is okay. Well, but it's also okay to want to look different. <laughs> right. So it's really messy. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And so it, what, what that can do is women don't realize it, but sometimes they're searching for reasons to get surgery that are not aesthetic mm -hmm. to justify their reason for getting it. If it's just aesthetic, <coughs> you do you. Do whatever you want to do as long as mm -hmm. I feel like you're fully informed, which is the right. issue that I feel is not the case. So, so let, I want to push into that just a little bit. I, so what I think I hear you saying is we have a, a culture that is rapidly moving towards body positivity, which is actually really great. You're not saying that's yeah. bad, but mm -hmm. what comes with that is if someone says, I don't like the way that I look now, there's this different new weird kind of shame. That's kind of the opposite of the other kind of shame that says, yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, now I feel shame because I actually want 
to make a change just because it's the way that I look. And I've been just recently learning how I should totally accept exactly how I am and feel really great about it. And I look in the mirror and I don't feel great. And what I think I hear you saying is, is you should not feel shame because of the way your body looks. And you should not feel shame if you want to change the way your body looks. Mm-hmm. And that is, but a, we if, want people to if, be informed. <laughs> involved in that. And, <laughs> and if that's what you're saying, I think that is a really, um, super different and really applicable and really needed kind of thinking because our society has a, um, a tendency to just go like all the way, pendulum swing one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, no, like if you don't like the way you look now, you should feel guilty that you don't like the way that you look. Cause you should just feel good about the way that you look. And I think that that we just get so disproportionate and out of whack. And then as Beth mentioned, I think the overall most important message that you're saying is no matter what, you need to be educated about this stuff because there's a lot that goes into it. You were a professional. You were extremely aware of your body and all of that. You had all of the advantages that most women don't have, and you still were not informed well about any of the steps that you went through from your very first pregnancy all the way through the surgery you had to force mm-hmm. education uh, and and even with all of that expert people around you you still had to go through this really difficult journey so the most important message i'm hearing you say is people need to not be afraid to be educated and they need to not be afraid if if one doctor says hey this is just no big deal don't worry about it and that's not really resonating you need to find another doctor and not be ashamed to go to another doctor and say, hey, what do you think? I got this information that's not really in alignment with what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be educated. And anyway, so, so I just my wanted question, to, you know, jump in there and, and kind of yeah. talk about that. So Beth, your question. My question um, and, and where I want to see you take this next, Lisa, in our discussion here is um, – what do you think are some of the key things that people need to be aware of about the recovery from surgery and what that's, what, what's involved with that? Because I um, was added a few months ago to a diastasis surgery support group that has been shockingly eye-opening and, yeah. and discouraging yeah. sometimes about yeah. how women are treated by surgeons. Um, I mean, it really can go both ways. They can find an amazing surgeon that's wonderful about informing them, or they can find one who just does a hack job and leaves them hurting and worse yeah. off. And one of the things that really impressed me in a recent thread in that group, and, I'm, and I want you to speak to this, is over and over I hear that women are told they can't stand, they're told to not stand upright completely for the first six weeks. Like two to six weeks minimum is they're, they're told to hunch over. And, you know, they have drains in and they have, because they don't want to stretch the skin. And so now okay. you're putting, my concern as a fitness professional who also geeks out on alignment stuff is, oh my gosh, that's a long time to compress the spine. And, and also putting somebody basically on bed rest for that amount of time. And if you yeah. look at bed rest studies done by NASA, for the sake of astronauts, we know like there's a lot that can happen in the body. That's just one right. consideration mm-hmm. out of all the other things. What are some other things that women need to do? This then, is the problem. <clears throat> this is the problem with the whole thing. Is all the surgeons do the surgery differently. Like they all do it differently. They all have different post-op things you can and can't do. Like the hunch thing, 
You have other people telling people at two weeks, you better stand yeah. up. You better stand up. I mean, you well, hear it all. It will mm -hmm. make you like, I can't tell you how many nervous breakdowns I had trying to find a surgeon. Like I, it is. Whoa. So you have women saying, you know, be in bed for this time. Now I was hunched over for five weeks. I didn't have a choice. Like I could not, I, it, 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 like four weeks I'd wake up and I'd be straight. And then an hour later I'd be hunched. And I was like, so stressed out. I'm like, oh my God, this stressed my life. Da, da, da. <laughs> and then all of a sudden <laughs> at like five and a half weeks, I woke up straight and I was straight all day. Just one day just happened. Like it was insane. Wow. Um, but you know, what's so interesting during the hunt time I was hunched is I didn't have a ton of back pain, which is so weird, right? So weird. Like, right. I don't know. It was just a weird, I think, I think I was just relieved that the surgery was over. My whole body was just more relaxed in some ways, if mm -hmm. that even makes any sense. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've learned to look at things so differently than I did before about why you're getting symptoms. Right. Um, right. but some of it is very mental. Um, but yeah, so the hunch thing, so that's just, I mean, that's a good segue into the thing I want to talk about. Or even about beyond the hunching, like, broad big picture. Yes. Yeah. So they've got, you know, you've got, did you get dissolvable sutures or permanent sutures? Because then sometimes you have different restrictions for the kind of mm -hmm. sutures that were used. So you hear all different things. There's different ways they sew you. There's some, some surgeons use mesh. My surgeon told me there's a surgeon at the University of Michigan so that uses wire. I mean, I mean, it's University of Michigan. Like he's and, and my surgeon, who's the chief of surgery at U of M, basically told me, he's like, these plastic surgeons are doing the surgeries in the ways that they were trained. So yeah. he's like, it will drive you crazy. He's like, you have to find someone that gets you and that you ultimately trust and that knows your goals. But I mean, it is the wild west. That's what Bree and I always talk about. It is the effing wild west. <laughs> I mean, it's just like pregnancy, postpartum stuff. Okay, we can get you a pelvic floor PT. We can do some consideration. Okay, this pelvic floor PT doesn't understand you want to do this weightlifting. They're scared of it. Let's get you someone else to help you with that part. Like, right. we can navigate this, right? <clears throat> The surgery, I'm telling you, like, and women will just go to a surgeon they like, and they just get the surgery. And, and, and I, it, this isn't to scare people, but it's like, you need to put in your due diligence of a yeah. lot of time before you choose to get the surgery, whether you feel like you need it, like I needed it. I mean, anyone will look right. at me and be like, yeah, you should probably get the surgery, right? Okay, I find <clears throat> there's people middle ground that could go either way. And there's people that don't need it, that want it, that want to look a certain way, whatever way, reason you're getting it. You have to you know, still need to be you informed. have to put in the manpower. And during that time, while you're doing the consult and you're taking all this time to figure out this shit show of a thing, you need <laughs> to sit with your body that you don't like and you got to look at it and try to like it. Like right. you've really got to put in, like I did something, I wrote something a while ago about how putting in the work, right? Like, right. Um, and it's okay if you still get the surgery, but like maybe you change your mind and you don't get the surgery or maybe you put it off a little bit and then you find a better surgeon or... You know, the, the right. problems arise with this when women are so disgusted with how they look that they want to rush into a plastic surgery because of that. Right. It's okay if you want to look differently, but just know that, you know, that taking your time is probably the most important piece of advice. I mean, I got stronger during that time. You know, I'm an athlete. I use that as a time as, as I got stronger. I felt like my body could do what I wanted to do. I learned to mm -hmm. love it again in a way I never thought would be possible. So I and that was leading that up belly. to the surgery. That was leading, that was up, leading to up to the surgery. surgery. 
Yeah. What are some of the things yeah. that really like startled you about like, like give me three specific things that startled you about surgery recovery. Um, okay. So I am what nine months out and I'm still mm-hmm. swollen and I'll swell okay. sometimes after the gym, but sometimes I'll just be swollen, like not even from the gym. And I was ready for that. So I'm not surprised, but I still am kind of surprised. I'm like, man, this has okay. been a long time. This is really intense. I still have burning and stabbing sensations because of the nerves, which I think can last up to a year and a half with nerves regenerating. I don't know what info mm-hmm. you have on nerve stuff, but about a year and a half is what Nancy told me. Um, and the and the surgeons and the doctors and the PA in there is like, oh, are you getting like burning and stabbing and da 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 da? Like they're just like, no big deal. <laughs> By the way, like, yeah, I am. Um, but it's still Whoa. it's still surprising when it happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think early on, what the most surprising thing was was. <laughs> Uh, it was how much better after I felt when the drains came out. I didn't realize the drains, it's the doctors that use drains, they're like this long and they're like, I had two of them at, at, up in my stomach. And yeah. I wish I kind of almost would have realized that because afterwards I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so that was yeah. like a positive thing. I didn't um, know the drains were involved in it at all. And that's something I learned from watching people in the group come out of the recovery. There was one gal who yeah. developed a seroma. That got yeah she went septic and then I mean so the yeah. drains themselves can turn into a complication so this, yes. this there can be complications that arise out of this something that yes. that I haven't been through this but another thing that has um, surprised me is how a lot of people um, don't think they'll need support they don't mm. think oh, that they're going to need to take time yes. off work oh yeah oh my right. gosh. You and know, they why? don't. The surgeons make it like it's no big deal. They're like, oh, right, this yeah, is a oh, you're gonna feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And they all do it. They all say that. Out of you. Yep, they all say that. All these women. Oh, I'm gonna go hiking at two weeks. What was something else I was talking to my other friend? That oh, um, <laughs> I, I have to see a wedding. I'm supposed to see a wedding in two weeks. Or I'm supposed to go to Hawaii. Or I'm supposed to fly. Or, yeah. um, or I have an yeah. 18 month old and a three year old, yeah. and nobody can yeah. come stay with me. Should I still get the surgery? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yep, I stayed at my parents' house for two weeks and laid on a recliner. I had to hire a full-time nanny. When I came back the third week, I still had a full-time nanny, even though I was at the house. Because I knew I would, you know, I, I, I didn't pick up my son my till I was six weeks. It was really hard. Yeah, picking like, up my dad sat with them while I had to pick up my older kid. Like I was really, really careful because my surgeon. Because you see, also in that group, that's very disturbing is the amount of failed repairs. So I asked my wow. surgeon about that. I said, why are there, why are these failed repairs? I said, people say it's because the, the fascia in your, in the rectus can't hold the suture because it's weak. That's what you hear a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you see that in there, Beth. Yeah. I heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, my fascia was, but I guess the fascia in my rectus was strong because that muscle was strong. Right. So it was just the other sure. connective tissue fat, right? So I guess I didn't have that concern. But I asked my surgeon, not that he knows everything, but like, he's the only person, you know, and I said, he said, honestly, he's like, I think it's because women don't take it easy enough after the surgery that they fail, or it's just not a good surgeon. He said, Mm -hmm. "Um, you know, I don't think those other reasons are necessarily the reason. But that's, again, his opinion. Right. Right. But, I mean, the failed repairs, the... 
you know, women thinking they're going to be perfectly flat after the surgery, like they're going to look like a Barbie doll. It's mm-hmm. like you still eat food, your your stomach still moves, you still have your particular, um, you know, makeup as a as a yeah. human body, whatever that is, your right. genetics, your right. whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, I think a lot of women are disappointed because they're not super flat. I'm not talking about a failed repair. I'm just talking about being super flat. And yeah, they still have bloating their skin. And yeah. yeah and they still skin. have, because underneath my belly button, I have my stretched skin, which my son just pointed out the other day when I had shorts <laughs> on in a sports bra. He's like, mom, what's that? So I'm like, that's because you were in my belly. But women get really upset right. about that. And, and I don't yeah. know if their surgeons don't tell them that ahead of time. Mine told me that. I didn't give a shit. I was like, just fix my muscles. But um, but a lot of women are really upset by that. And I'm not poo-pooing that. I understand that's important to women. Like, I get that, I get that that's a thing. But uh-huh. they are going into it expecting perfection. That's what right. this, and it's not a, sur- that's not what the surgery is. It's a right. change. And then there's not perfection. belly buttons. There's belly buttons. The whole belly button thing has also been interesting to me. Like, if your belly button is really <clears throat> herniated, then they might give you a new belly button. Like, Brie got a new belly button. And did you get a new belly button? No. My guy apparently was, like, the belly button guy. And so I actually kept my old belly button. And it's, everyone was ooing and eyeing about what a good job he did. Um, and he wouldn't <laughs> let the resident. Because I'm in a teach, U of M teaching hospital. He wouldn't let the resident um, touch the belly button part. It was all him. He did this especially. Yeah. Because I had other doctors tell me I'd, lo- I'd lose my old belly button. And, again, I really yeah. didn't care. But I was just like so many other concerns. But um, he was the first guy who was like, nope, I've got it. He was like 100% confident. I was like, okay. I was like, well, if something changes and you feel like it's too risky, don't feel like you need to try. Like, you know, like. Sacrifice <laughs> like, the belly no, Yeah. But he, it was fine. Yeah. But, but <laughs> women, they, they do get a new one. Um, like sometimes they'll use marbles to help reshape them. Or yes. they give them different yes. tools. Um, uh, sometimes they can get infected. You get an infected belly button. Yeah. Uh, one mm-hmm. gal, she like her new belly button got infected. She had to go back and get another belly button put in fixed. And um, and then somebody, many people are upset because their belly buttons don't look like normal belly buttons. Yep. Um, yep. It's 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 a really big thing. It, it's a focal point on your belly. And I figure yeah. you're going through the <laughs> surgery to get a new belly. You want it to look right. But the belly right. button seems to be a risky area. Yes, it's very, yeah, it's very, 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 very tricky, the belly button thing. Um, and funny. what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, <clears throat> for complications. So a lot of doctors do drainless procedures now. And the uh-huh. drains were a pain, but, like, <clears throat> it was explained to me that the drains never fail, right? It drains the fluid. The drainless, they do, like, a progressive tension suture. And if you're like a pretty healthy person and don't have a lot of other considerations, then you can do this drainless procedure where you don't need the drain. And a lot of doctors are mm. doing that. But then you risk getting hematomas and all these oh other my. things. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so there's other considerations with that. Um, and I mean, I'm sure if you told a doctor that does drainless, no, I want the drains, they would do it, right? But you have to, mm-hmm. but why would anyone ever say that when the drain list sounds so good and the doctor makes it out like it's fine? Right. And you need to make that decision. Like, um, um, she had a mesh in there from an old uh, hernia thing and just dies. a lot of things she wanted to get cleaned up. So she, so she got it. She got the drain list procedure. And this doctor, who she consulted with like six or seven doctors, and she was talking to Brie and wow. I. I mean, she was like hardcore. Like, she I did her so due diligence. Oh my God. <laughs> she did it. She, yeah. Yes. 
she did the drain lift with this guy and she had to go back for a second surgery day, the day two, because she did get the hematoma. It's his first one in 16 years. This doctor, it's a good doctor. Nobody did anything wrong. Right. Nobody did anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Things happen. You can can do everything right. And I think that's another big takeaway point of this is we can control certain things. We can do a lot of things right. We can even do all of our due diligence and find the mm-hmm. best surgeon, the best PT. Follow all the instructions, do all the modifications, or throw all of them out the window if we think that's what's right. And then our bodies can still throw us a curveball. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And having a good attitude about that and <laughs> being resilient through that, that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. And, is, understanding and that's where the support comes in. Yeah, and understanding that what what we're talking about, whether the surgeon makes you realize this or not, is a major, major, major surgery that is invasive and does a lot of, it may be the right thing to do, but it's going to do a lot of damage. It's going to take time to heal as you go through the process. And I think that one of the things I'm hearing you say is (laughs) that there is a, a really common tread of just a lack of information by the surgeons whether whether they think they're going to scare you out of getting the surgery or not who knows why but it's missing and um and if you're considering something like this you should you you really have to do the homework to know what you're getting into Mm -hmm. or you're going to really struggle Beth, Mm -hmm. what were you going to say i'm raising my hand because i interrupted you and i'm sorry (laughs) okay this this is my big fat ending question. Is um and I mean fat in a good way, right? One time here on the farm, my 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 son um like he offended our babysitter because he's like, yeah, nice big fat goat, and and then he told her that she was nice and big and fat too, um, <laughs> because here on the farm, like, we story. have these nice big fat man fat animals, and that's mm. a good thing. And so in his four right. year old life, he thought he was giving her a compliment. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like you're healthy, you're big, that's great. Anyway, so this is my this is my uh, my awesome question. Uh, <laughs> do you think in your opinion for women that have diatheses that need to be surgically repaired? Okay. Like should that be covered by insurance? Okay, this is a good question. You know what I realized maybe a couple months ago? Because I was real bitter we had to pay so much money for the surgery. Because not even from an aesthetic standpoint, like, you know, my, at rest, my organs are exposed to the thin tissue. Like, it's not very good. And I don't think I necessarily want to grow older like that, um, you know, mm-hmm. as I get older and mm-hmm. have that kind of consideration. You know, that would make me nervous. Um, was I functional in the time being right now doing what I want to do at the gym? Sure. But, you know. Um, but the problem is I see why they don't do it. I see why they don't do it because where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line with something that is so aesthetic? Um, and like, how do you, where do you go with it? And then the other Mm -hmm. issue I see, which I don't think insurance companies are thinking this, this is just what I've realized is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that women blame other things on when they have a severe diabetes. Now, I'm not saying my story is the next person's story, but I was able to get rid of a lot of my back pain once I just mm-hmm. started doing stuff and feeling stronger again. Um, right. I, you know, 
I personally didn't have digestion issues, but I never really have. So people that are dealing with that, is that related or not? I don't know. Maybe if it's a, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not just counting people's struggles. Okay. Um, right. You know, other things like I've had women tell me that their prolapse would be fixed if they got the surgery. Someone told them that. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, or she was worried she'd get prolapse if she didn't get the surgery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the things being told to women. Like I just mm-hmm. talked to somebody online about that just not too long ago that was considering surgery. So honestly, like if you can work with somebody that understands the whole body, understands that nervous system plays into it, your thoughts play into it. There's other things at play. If you're having yeah. other issues with your diastasis, you can potentially work through those and feel better if you can't afford right. surgery, right? If, if you can't afford it because insurance won't cover it or something of that sort, right? I want people to know right. that the help for those other You can address the incontinence. You can address the prolapse. You can address the low back pain. You can address the yes. distension and Even. bloating. You can address yes. the posture. Yes. Even if you don't Everything. get the surgery for this, yes. you can address And if you can't get the surgery or don't think about you're going to, don't worry, you're going to get prolapse if you can't get the surgery, like all of these things. So the other thing is the insurance. So I see why they don't because it's mucky and they don't want to deal with it. Now, is that an excuse? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Some women really do need it. So it's, it's pretty crappy. So there's that issue. But I mm-hmm. see why they don't. Uh, my general surgeon told me he, I could get it covered, but he would do the surgery. But he's like, but you don't want me to do the surgery. Yeah, so what yeah, happens surgery. <laughs> is women can get it covered, but they're not going with the best surgeon that does this really major surgery in the best way possible. So that's a really big problem. So wait, you just so, so general surgery versus plastic surgery is yes. different and that's another consideration. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, but if you want to get it covered by insurance, which women do because it's so expensive, they often go that route, but then sometimes they have issues. I know there can be a lot of issues with the laparoscopic repairs. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother bag of worms. I, want, I haven't researched that a ton yet, but I'm gonna, that's the next thing I want to start looking into. Um, I haven't, and this is again, unscientific, just me talking to women, looking yeah. at things, trying to figure yeah. it out. I would not necessarily recommend that. I don't think, but it seems mm-hmm. good and maybe could be covered by insurance. Um, so yes, my bitterness about insurance, not covering this has gone away because I kind of see why, cause how do you draw the line? Oh, it sinks in yeah. here. Difficult. Oh, you gotta be here for it to be covered. I mean, Oh my God, I don't know. How would you do it? Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's not an easy, not an easy, it's obvious tough. answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been such a good discussion. And we can, I feel like we could discuss for another five hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, are, are you writing so, a book, Lisa? Please tell me you're writing a book. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, I told an that she needs to write a book. She's doing it because she's a beautiful writer. I don't say who. I mean, an Emmaset, Mummy Fitness. Oh, yeah. Oh, just yeah. You just have her yeah. on the I, podcast. Yeah. 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 I told her she needs to write a book. Yeah. Because yeah. um, an Emmaset is like, Oh God, her writing is, just, and her story. I mean, it's just, it makes me feel yeah. like I've got no story because her story, it's so much more than just, mm. you know, but um, both of your stories, both of you lend so much to this um, little back alley piece of the mainstream fitness industry that we're, we're all a part of. <laughs> I know. It's like, get off the main road and come over to, let's have this other conversation over here on the side. Yeah. Because we're really in the trenches here, really trying to help people sort out their own individual stories. 
and our individual stories matter too. Yours yeah. matters, and I'm so grateful that you came on and shared it with us. Well, maybe it's really, I don't know. People have told me to write the book, and I keep thinking, oh, I don't know, I'm, uh, but I don't know. I understand. It's really, I understand. It's, it's really sad that what you're saying is true, Beth. That this is like a backlot area of the fitness because. <laughs> This is, is actually applicable to millions and millions and millions of women in our country alone. And so, you know, it's awesome that we're, you know, we have uh, amazing people like Lisa on our podcast mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of help bring awareness yeah. um, because it really, you know, people need to be educated. Lisa, what would you tell the woman that you bump into at the grocery checkout and you've got 40 right? seconds to tell them, like, what would you tell them if, you know, like, what's your advice? The forty-second pitch about, about like if they're if they're considering surgery. Yeah. yeah, you just happen to you just happen to strike up that conversation, and they've just paid, so they're about ready to leave with their bag of groceries. What do you say to them? Let me think about this. Because if it was in the moment, I would come up with something really good. But now I'm like, Ooh, wait, now I'm overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? Oh, 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 oh. All the pressure. Don't overthink it. Don't um, overthink it. You know, I would, I mean, the biggest thing I always say is take the time to get strong and love your body again before you get the surgery. That's what I say. Oh, that's, good. that's so good. Yeah. Get that's strong, so good. love your body again, but you don't have to like the way it looks. I didn't like the way it looked. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's <laughs> be yeah. serious. Like, right. you know, um, but, but I loved it in a way I didn't think was possible and it helped me make better choices. It helped me, um, do a lot of things and hopefully help other people. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, okay. that that's so good. Thank you for, um, thank you for spending some time. Got to ask you one last question before we go. Yeah. And that is what is your current most favorite exercise right now today? What's your, what, what is your favorite thing? Ooh, um, if I had to pick a CrossFit exercise, it would have to be muscle up because feels good to do them again. And I actually did them in a workout and I hung pretty well because I haven't been training volume necessarily. And I don't train like I used to, but they felt pretty good. And I was just like, it felt good to be, to be free again. Mm -hmm. And um, just looking forward to training and just doing stuff and getting stronger, but not, not in a rush, just having fun with it. That's right. good. That's so awesome. That is awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Lisa, we're going to put, um, you can find Lisa on Instagram, Facebook, her website, lisa-ryan.com. Um, Lisa, where's the best place for people to find you? Is it, is it on Instagram or? Yeah, Instagram's the place. Like I've got myself on Facebook and I've got links to everything on my website, but um, Instagram's the place. Yeah. All right. Find, find Lisa on okay. Instagram. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. And um, thank you so much been a really yeah thank you thank you so much all right bye all right that's a wrap friends and fans be sure to check out the links attached to this episode and subscribe to fit to be radio on itunes oh and remember those workouts we mentioned in the show you can access them all on fit if you join as a member i recommend premium access it's the best deal We'd also appreciate your follows, likes, comments, and shares on Instagram at Fit2Be Studio, on Facebook at Fit2Be Tony Safe Fitness, and on Twitter at Fit2Be.